Hey guys, Jana again, and this one might sound weird because I'm literally recording in a Target parking lot waiting on my groceries, and I have the option to probably go in and get them, but I have so much social anxiety at the moment, and I'm way too stubborn to leave, but I have been here for like over 15 minutes, so <laughs> I was like, why not record a booked episode because I have been reading like a mentally ill person. Today I want to talk about X-Men Days of Future Past, not the movie, which I watched recently and it inspired me to do this read. Um, I was shelving in the comic book section recently at my library and I was like, oh my gosh, the actual like compendium volume of all the Days of Future Past like stories. So I had to read it. Uh, I will say this is my first 80s uh, X-Men comic. It's not my first ever 80s comic. <laughs> Lord knows I read a lot of 60s through 70s and 80s Batman. It was a ride. Um, but Days of Future Past was really different. I'm going to give a spoiler-free summary, and afterwards I will give you a spoiler alert. Remember, I read this book so you don't have to. If you would like my review slash summary, stick around to the very end. Our spoiler-free summary goes... This X-Men compendium, compendium's a fun word, I don't know if I'm using it correctly, but here we are. This X-Men volume covers basically Kitty Pride's introduction into the X-Men, and she's one of my favorite all-time X-Men characters. I have not read a lot of X-Men comic books, as previously stated in a later video, but I am very familiar with the characters through fan art, Tumblr, online things, and Kitty Pride is one of my absolute favorites. So, it's already very exciting for me because we get the introduction of Kitty Pride, Storm is leading the team, and we are watching the aftermath of Jean Grey's death. So this is immediately after Jean Grey turns into Dark Phoenix, and they have to kill her. This is all explained through summary. Scott Summers comes onto the scene for the whole first volume, or first chapter, and gives us a rundown of what's been going on. He's not doing very well mentally. Love of his life just died. And the X-Men's his whole life. So he's like, I'm going to go get an actual life and peace out for a little bit. So he does. And it's probably for the best. I'm not going to lie. The events of this uh, volume go from kind of the present day X-Men learning to live without Scott Summers as their team leader and learning to love Storm, Aurora. She is the new team leader and she's kind of, you know, breaking onto the scene, learning how to lead this team. Meanwhile, we have 13-year-old Kitty Pride also trying to break in and Nightcrawler being pursued by interdimensional demons. It's a wild time in the X universe. We have all of this build up to Days of Future Past and it is so much different than the movie absolutely loved the changes across both the movie and the book. I'll probably be making a lot of like comparisons between the two, mainly because I haven't read a lot of X-verse X stuff, so here we are. We get all this stuff introducing us to the team, getting us comfortable with the team, and then jumping into the Sentinels, the future. Literally, one of the chapters begins with, Welcome to the 21st century! It's not so nice here anymore! And I'm like, yeah, inflation, but go on, do tell us. So the Sentinels have ravaged the world, 
uh, and Kitty Pride and a few of the remaining X-Men, plus Magneto, are trying to... They've, like, formed a little rebellion. They're, they're going to break out because they're being oppressed. It is a lot like a Holocaust situation happening. Almost every other super-powered person on the face of the planet is dead. So, they've come up with a plan to send Kitty Pride back to her into her 13-year-old self to change the future. So, and that's that's the premise. That's all I'm going to give you guys for the spoiler-free. Now we're going to hop into spoiler territory and my thoughts and review. So, spoiler alert beginning now. But again, I read this book so you don't have to. It's a little bit hard to jump into 80s comics, and I haven't read one in a hot minute. So, I had to adjust to like the really like chunky um, descriptions. It definitely wasn't like a modern day comic where you get like a little blip of what our character's thinking. It's like, here is a novel like description of the scene, what our character is feeling, <laughs> what's going on in their head. Um, very, very different from a modern day comic book, but still enjoyable. You just have to kind of get around the golly gee whiz, Mr. Logan. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, that can kind of kill the moment a little bit. Also, again, this was written in the 80s, and they do have a um, Native American character called Shaman. And I'm not familiar with him. Uh, again, don't read a lot of ex-comic books. But it was very clear he was written based off of Native American stereotypes at the time. As a white woman, I obviously don't know a lot about racism. But the way that he interacts with the characters, the way his character is built, felt very uninformed. Um, I don't know if they go back and correct that later in the comic books, but yeah. So that's a little trigger warning if you do read this book. Uh, it is a little bit racist. The beginning chapter with Scott Summers summarizing... <laughs> Summers summarizes the X-Men. He's summarizing the X-Men and basically saying, like, He's lost everything, the X-Men are all he has left, but he's going to walk away for a little bit because he realizes his entire existence is wrapped up in the X-Men, and he wants to go be his own person. I respect that. I love that for Scott, and honestly, it probably worked out for the best for him. We get the whole summary. Uh, the team is still grieving over Jean Grey. She's mentioned a couple of other times in the book, but... After that first chapter, it's kind of like, okay, this is an entirely new team, entirely new set of rules, entirely new set of baddies. And I really appreciated that. I feel like this is probably a really good starting point if you're starting an X comic in the X-verse. Is that my target order? It's not. <sighs> We're just going to sit here, think about things. <laughs> the following comic book in this volume follows um, Nightcrawler, who is fairly new to the team. They mentioned in the first chapter that he's one of the new recruits, he's part of the new core team, but um, we follow him through basically the seven circles of hell from Dante's Inferno, and it's very interesting. It's I think it was purely for a good um, Doctor Strange tie-in, and Kurt has a past with kind of the mystic art, so it worked. It was just very strange, because I was like, wait, they're not battling other mutants, they're literally battling a interdimensional sorceress. But, I mean, it worked in that 
it helped me get a little more acquainted with this current team and their personalities. Um, what I really liked about this is it brought up Storm's past a lot. Again, haven't read a lot of ex-comic books. I'm gonna be sounding like a broken record. I feel like I have to justify myself at this point. But they bring up her past so much, um, mentioning that she is from Cairo, she used to be a thief, she's an orphan. So that really helped me ground me in her character and some of her character traits. And it's brought up multiple times in this specific book. It, I mean, it was a really cool arc. It's cool to see Stephen Strange interact with the X-Men. Of course, our man Stephen is the master of the mansplain. He has to explain magic to every single person he encounters. I'm not exaggerating. He like will take time and be like, well, this is how magic works. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wave my hands around and I get all the powers of the universe. I don't really need to know the exact science behind it, my guy. But they venture into hell. They meet some demons. It's a fun time. During all this, Kitty Pride has been introduced to the team, but she's very much on the outskirts. She doesn't even come on this adventure with them. It's literally everyone but her. So she's a little bit butthurt when they come back and are like, we had this adventure. She also mentions a lot leading up to the actual Days of Future Past comic book. Nightcrawler freaks her out. And to me, I was like, okay, girl, what? No, I've always had a soft spot for Nightcrawler. I used to watch the um, animated series, not the old one, but like the one they would play on like Disney XD or JetX or whatever it was called at the time. I freaking loved Kurt. I shipped him and Kitty so hard in that show. Um, obviously, like, she has several other love interests that are canon in the comic books, but in that show, they were my thing. Very into it. But in this comic book, she is super turned off to Kurt. She thinks he's creepy. He freaks her out. And even though she's trying to, like, get over her, I don't know, fear of him, she's very hesitant to befriend him. She does have a moment where she's like, I guess I should be sad if Kurt dies. And I'm like, girl, I know you're 13 and you're, like, really cringe, but that's awful. So they all come back from that adventure. Nightcrawler learns a little more about his adoptive mother. He learns his adoptive sister is that he's had a crush on is also his girlfriend because she was, like, in disguise. I don't know. It was, it's very, um, Game of Thrones, House Lannister-esque. Or even Umbrella Academy, really. Yeah. Very strange situation. <laughs> so then we get to, uh, kind of move forward. <laughs> and we meet Angel. Angel has been part of the team in the previous, uh, iterations of the core team. But he comes back to... I don't know. I guess he was a solo hero, and then he decided to come back. They mentioned it a few times, but it's not super notable. <sighs> they finally brought my groceries. I'm so freaking happy. Uh, but on with the episode. So Warren, also known as Angel, comes back to the team. Uh, he's ready to rejoin, but he has some reservations about this new team. Like, he is not down with Wolverine. He thinks Wolverine is a huge risk. He's very certain that Wolverine is going to just, like, maul someone at any point. Like, he's like a rabid dog. And he is. I mean, Logan's our short king, but 
he is he's a little ferocious he's a little feisty he's, he's a little uh a little feisty boy we're dealing with that professor x is you know reassuring him that he wouldn't have chose logan if logan was going to gore someone on the spot warren though not super convinced and definitely missing um scott summers gene gray and the original team we also get a glimpse into peter colossus um he used to be a farm boy in Russia. I didn't know he was a farm boy. Um, and he has some very, like, insightful things to say about the world around him. But while we're doing some bonding time with Warren and Peter, Wolverine decides it's finally time to confront the Canadian Secret Service that created him because they've been getting on his nerves recently. And he has this whole monologue about not wanting to be a weapon, and it's pretty good. So we get a little side arc where Kurt and Logan go back to Canada. They meet, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of their name, Alpha Flight. They meet Alpha Flight, which is another team of mutants that Wolverine, he's friends with, I think, or he's at least friends with, um, the leader. And he, the leader guy, he had a cool name, but he's literally wearing the Canadian flag. So all I can think of him as is Canada Man. So, Canada Man and Wolverine and a couple other cool mutants team up to fight the Wendigo, which is a giant creature similar to the Hulk, um, but is shown in a flashback to have beaten the Hulk and Wolverine combined. So, they've got their work cut out for them. The deal is, if Wolverine can take down the Wendigo, Canada Man will talk to the Canadian government about leaving uh, Wolverine alone. So we have that side story. Everything goes well. Kurt learns a little bit more about Wolverine and confronts some of his feelings about losing Jean Grey. I mean, it's a very cool, it's a very strange arc, to be honest, because the characters aren't super great. And this is also the part where we have the shaman character, who is very, like, all the stereotypes of a Native American. It's not a good look, X-Men. It's not good. Finally, we get to the Days of Future Past arc. So all of this has been leading up and getting us used to some character traits so that we can dive into this time-twisting tale. And we open up with Kitty Pride, except she's much older. She is no longer 13. It's very obvious. She's wearing this collar and a green suit with the letter M on the back. Uh, apparently, in the new society, every mutant is getting basically collared uh, to keep their powers from working and they get labeled so that all of society's like ew you're a mutant you're awful and terrible there's not a ton of well actually there is there's exposition on why why that is but we'll get to it much like the movie version of this comic book um we have the sentinels uh we do get an amazing and heartbreaking flash back flash forward of the Sentinels absolutely destroying the X-Men while they're like in this cursed future and Kitty is in the past trying to fix it. It is kind of the same core um, plot. Once again, we have um, the president and Mystique is trying to kill him. Uh, Mystique's character is not as fleshed out as Jennifer Lawrence was in the movie. She's just kind of there, and she's leading her team, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And my first thought was, okay, if you guys are fighting for the better of mutant kind, don't put evil. 
Like, that just, that just tells everyone, this isn't the team that I think has my best interests in mind. I think they might be up to no good. And you would be correct. So Mystique, as the new leader of the Brotherhood, decides she wants to kill the president because he's kind of anti-mutant, but not fully. Kitty Pride knows from the future that if Mystique kills the president, the entire future sucks. Um, everyone is, for some reason, surprised to find out that the Brotherhood's plan to murder the president backfires and gets every superhero in America and Canada killed. Just, just North America. They didn't make it anywhere else. In this comic book, they literally say, they just killed everyone in North America. So, I mean, there's that. They could have gone literally anywhere else, but here we are. Everyone is shocked. Oh my gosh, what? That's such a crazy chain of events. Not really. Not really. I mean, if I saw a bunch of these crazy people killing the president, I'd hate them too. And they call themselves the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and have awful outfits to boot. Yeah, I'm not about them. So Kitty and the rest of the team arrive on the scene. Uh, they know that Kitty is her older self and her 13-year-old body. That was a very interesting scene. She just falls down during practice in the danger room, wakes up and is like, hey, you guys, guess I'm from the future. And it's this very blunt exchange. And then I think, I can't remember who believed her first. Oh, Nightcrawler believed her first because she woke up and hugged him. And like I said, her character leading up to this point is so creeped out by Nightcrawler. He's so ick to her. I, I can't sympathize with this girl. I think he's, you know, adorable. So they know something's up, and then they're inclined to believe her story, because why not? So they show up to save Professor X and Moira, but this big battle ensues to ensure the safety or destruction of the president. In the middle of this, we have this character called Destiny, who was not in the movie, but is part of the Brotherhood as their, like, fortune teller. So she can see possible futures, and she keeps telling Mystique that she sees an anomaly, but she can't figure out what it is or why it's obstructing her vision of the future. Because she thought previously their victory was guaranteed, but now this anomaly, Kitty Pride, has shown up. And they're not so guaranteed anymore. I thought she was a really cool character, though, Destiny. I think it's because I haven't seen her previously in, like, media. So I was immediately like, I want to know more about this person. And her outfit was maybe one of the least horrible ones of the whole Brotherhood ensemble. So props to her. We love a queen. But in the chaos, Kitty does manage to save the president uh, with the help of Storm and her fellow X-Men. And everything's good. The future has changed, um, so that reality no longer exists, which is great news for them, because at this point in the comic book, every single person in the future has been wiped out. <laughs> they are all dead. And it's very traumatic, just as traumatic as the movie. Uh, I did not like it. <laughs> Very good writing. 10 out of 10. I thoroughly enjoyed this comic book. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Ugh, finally got my target order and I can come home. Okay, <laughs> on with the episode! So, my thoughts are I really enjoyed this book. It's a chonky read, but it's worth getting through. Like I said, it's definitely a learning curve. Very different from modern day comics. It is nothing like the movie, but still very enjoyable. I will admit, I missed our boy, um, Peter Maximoff, Pietro. 
Uh, I felt like he added to the movie, but he really didn't have a place in this book. Like, if they stuck him in there, it wouldn't have fit. To me, it made more sense for Kitty to go back in time rather than Logan. That being said, I think the movie counterpart did a good job of expanding on the baseline story, but the comic has some great character moments that were cut out. Namely Kitty. She wasn't in the movie at all, but this entire book kind of centers around her. Um, the book follows her entrance to the X-Men, and she has a starring role in Saving the Future. I would read this book for her alone, but we get some stellar character moments from Peter, Aurora, Nightcrawler, and Logan that just can't be missed. Now, I'm no X-Men expert. Cue the laugh track! I'll be here all week. It's sad, really. But I'm no expert, so it was really cool to get to meet some characters I'd never seen on screen before. Like I said, Destiny, really intriguing. Really liked her. Definitely going to try to follow some of her storylines. Back to my point about how it made more sense for Kitty to go back in time. The way they phrased it in the book was that the current consciousness was switching places with the past consciousness. And they also said that Kitty, in the past, hadn't had um, the training to block mind control, like from Professor X. So it made sense for her to do the jump, because her younger self wouldn't even know to defend it. And I just really enjoyed this grown woman being trapped in a 13-year-old's body and trying to navigate the X-Men and get them to believe that she's actually from the future. It was just really cool. I love Logan. I thought in the movie he did a great job, but, like, I mean, for him it wasn't that big of a character jump. He just went from gruff, moody Logan to gruff, moody Logan, but in the past. <laughs> but, I mean, Hugh Jackman did a great job. I think they did a good job adapting the storyline. I don't know why um, Elliot Page couldn't have done that. I'm sure that was some sort of creative decision that Kitty could only be um, in one part of the movie and not the other, and I think they missed out. Because, again, Logan does play a really big role in this story. He is, like, the leader of these rebellion factions, so if their argument was that they wanted Logan to have more screen time, he totally has a ton of screen time in the book. Um, Kitty is just more centric than he is. As I'm comparing the movie and the book, I'll say that the movie version did a much better job with Professor X's character. Charles is much more fleshed out in the movie. Um, it seems like in the book they kind of portray him as this wise Gandalf character that can do no wrong. But the movie gave him some stark flaws, um, which was just made him a little more relatable and less like this kind of god of a character that just knows everything and is good all the time. Um, but I think that kind of runs with the trends of comic books in the 80s, is that you have these, like, totally good characters that have no flaws, and it just makes them boring. Please give your characters flaws. Back to the book, though, I love the dystopian future in the, the X-Men are cast into, into the book. It's dark and creepy, and honestly had more of an impact, um, than the movie did for me. It just, there's, like, all these different like, Ravager factions. It's very Fallout, and I really enjoyed it. And I wish we could have spent more time exploring that kind of world, but we do get snippets of it, and for me that was 
it did a lot, um, just atmospherically and st- for storytelling reasons. The OG Sentinel design was so cool. Like, they look like retro Doctor Who villains, but honestly, I'd be so freaked out if I saw one in real life. They're like these big old clunky tin can looking guys, and they freak me out. I don't like them, but I think their design is, I don't know, it's pretty effective. I like the design in the movie as well, but something about the OG Sentinel design that's, mmm, chef's kiss. One of the cool things about this book is it shows Storm's first missions as team leader. It's just crazy because they show, you know, she's literally the weather witch. She was a goddess in Kenya and the goddess of my heart. What a queen. But she's able to tame Logan where Cyclops couldn't. And she takes care of her team even as she doubts her ability to lead. That was such a big thing for me. Again, back to flaws. Aurora is constantly comparing her leadership abilities to Scott's. But it's very clear to the readers and everyone around her that she is a little more capable than Scott in certain areas. She's able to get Logan under control. She's able to... She's basically like the single mother of this family, keeping all these children together, making sure they don't die or tear each other apart. It's amazing. I also love the glimpses into her past. Uh, She's the only X-Man at this point to have been a thief. So she's got some... um, really cool like skills they have her at one point they can't get into a locked door and logan just goes hey roro can you can you help us out and she's like yeah i got you what kind of lock picks do you want literally the girls lead in this book and i'm here for it logan our short king has his own segment the canada segment i thought it was pretty cool I enjoyed the look into Logan's past. Um, I'm not sure how flushed out his character is up to this point in the comic books. But it was cool to see him um, interacting with a different team and interacting with some old friends. Of course, Kurt and Peter get their shining moments. Peter talking about how he used to be a country boy. And he's coping with now being a superhero. Even though he enjoys like the smaller things in life. Like growing plants. We love him. He's such a soft boy. In a hard shell, I guess. I tried to make a pun. It it didn't work out. And then Kurt having to face his past and his future in that first arc. There's also a scene in the Days of Future Past comic where Mystique hints to Nightcrawler's face about being his mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're like the worst. Because, you know, we're leading up and he just fought this interdimensional, like, adopted mother in the first chapter. And now we have this woman being like, oh, go ask your mom. While he's looking at her like, we are both blue. Is there something you want to tell me? And she's like, nah, and then leaves. (sighs) Not the best mom. Definitely not. But pretty cool character. So, you know. Uh, I give this one a 10. I enjoyed it. Like I said, slow read. But oh my gosh, the character moments. So good. This is definitely an essential um, X-Men read. And I can't wait to continue with the series. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been an episode. Uh, The mic quality is going to be something. But make sure to follow us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on Instagram. We are at Plotted Podcast. And I am at Right Through Chaos. Um, Also check me out on TikTok. Sometimes I do some silly things. 
I am a very strange individual, and I'm proud. Uh, mutant and proud, you could say. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and you will hear from me very soon.